everybody. Welcome to your wrong. So, Matt, what is everybody wrong about today? Uh, everything. Everything. Yeah, everything. Okay. I mean, yes, they are. But uh, do you wanna, you wanna maybe start us off with uh, with uh, something you uh, have in mind? I mean, I, I think to to show them how wrong they are about everything. I, I think I'm gonna tell them a bunch of things they're wrong about. Um, the first one is um, people. I think you don't realize this, but Nintendo doesn't care about its fans. Ooh, spicy. So, so this is this is why I don't think Nintendo cares because everything they do. They hide behind the lovable, cutesy characters from our childhood. You know, the Marios and the Yoshis and the Kirbys and Samus. But the reality is... is everything Wait, Samus? Do, Samus uh, isn't I mean, cute? No, but lovable. Ah, lovable, yes. Okay, yeah, we'll start to love about Samus. Ca- carry um, on. So, and, and what ends up happening here is that they're just out here to profit gouge you at every step and every turn. And, and a lot of times, I think they get away with it because... They walk it back after they do it. So, you know, great examples of this are um, previously when you bought old versions of games in their store, you had to buy a new version for each each platform, right? So you buy it, you buy an old Nintendo game, you buy it for like the, the Game Boy DS, and so then you have to rebuy it for the Nintendo U, uh, Nintendo Wii, and then you have to rebuy it for the Nintendo Wii U. And eventually, when it got around to the Switch, they stopped that. But but it, it should never have started like that. Um, Another example is is their policy. They had the policy they had around content creators, right? Like you couldn't content creators weren't allowed to to monetize videos for Nintendo games for for a while on YouTube or other platforms. Nintendo would always do DCMA strikedowns and stuff like that. And eventually, Nintendo came around. But they have a very stringent policy now on what you can do and where you can make money off of it. Um, so so they're not they're put on this facade of a family friendly company. But the reality is they're giving you the bare minimum to make sure that they have control over their product in a way that is very unfriendly to their fans. I mean, just the fact that, you know, their own IPs like Mario, you couldn't, for the longest time, you couldn't have that on any other device than a Nintendo one is already pretty damning evidence there. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I don't know if, if I'm going to pile on this one. I think Nintendo's kind of done, if I'm honest. Like they're they've realized they lost the console wars a long time ago, and then they veered into this weird direction of you know mobile first or like portable first consoles with subpar specs, and and people keep on buying their shit because of the of sad lovable cutesy characters so yeah i think you're onto something there yeah i think in nintendo's defense the games they do make specifically them are generally of a very high quality and that's really the thing that's saving them right now uh, and keeping them keeping that golden shine on their brand for for their customers and and that's great, and I hope they continue to do that because they make some really good games. But but let's not let's not get it twisted here. You know they they make these decisions like even the stuff where they had you know their online connectivity with your friends. You couldn't just have a name to connect with your friends. You had to get some stupid friend code that you couldn't memorize to share with your friends in order to be friends with them on our platform. Like why why did you make such a convoluted system to get people to to be able to talk to their friends and play games with their friends? Like it's it goes beyond you know you and i both work in software and obviously we're supposed to like try things and see if they work or not but that sort of thing is is super dumb when you look at your competitors like xbox and playstation have already solved the problem in a way that works for everybody like it's just it's just a a gamer tag and it's unique to you and you can tell your friend your gamer tag and they can find you so the fact that nintendo had to go make this asinine friend code so you could connect with your friends just like you didn't have to be weird and different, Nintendo. You just wanted to be for "quote unquote" reasons. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a company that monetized A/B testing, right? Pokemon Shield, Pokemon Sword. Yep. Hey, let's sell. Yeah. Let's sell them both. Yeah. Right. So, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they had to gain by creating their own weird 
like backwards upside down system of, of connecting people in their platform, but I'm sure it was something and that something was money. Now, yeah. how, I don't know, but I, yeah, I'm still, I'm still perplexed on that one, but, <laughs> but if that's a hot take, I don't have to explain everything. So that it's monetized, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and and the, the, so the last point that I want to, I want to address on this one for me is, is like their store and their curation of games is just god awful. Like, if you're buying a Nintendo game, it's great, but they'll let anybody post anything in their store. It's not designed in a way for you to filter out good things from bad. Um, it It's really hard to know if you're getting a good game or a bad game or if someone's like selling you a mobile phone game for like $10 when you can get it on your phone for like a dollar. And and again, that speaks to the fact they don't really care about their fans that much. They, just, they have a store because they have to, and that's how you can get their games, but they don't give a crap what you do with you know, third-party stuff. It doesn't matter to them. Do you think they did all of these things the way that they did it just so that they were like, oh, we didn't copy anybody. It was, you know, our original idea. Maybe. I feel like that's a Nintendo thing. It's like we're the, we're, the, we're the most creative group. We have all these cool IPs and games. Um, so that may be a case of them wanting to say, well, we, we found the Nintendo way to do stuff. You know, like they created. I, I, I don't know the timelines, but it seems like they had that we avatars created before other companies did. Um, and, and so, so they're trying to always iterate on stuff that will keep you in their, in their fan, their continuum or space family. Mm -hmm. I don't know right word there, but <laughs> clearly just struggling here, <laughs> <laughs> but, but overall they, they are still doing things to maximize their monetization at, and this is what the crux of my argument at the cost of their fans. Because they know their fans are willing to pay a premium for the Nintendo quality. And and it's it's interesting to see them abuse that to such a large effect. Like the the you know, Nintendo Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic are great examples of abusing your fan base. Because like why would you want to buy those things? They're a hundred dollars and they don't even put the, the best games in there. They put some of the best games and they put some garbage games in. So like that to me doesn't speak to you're really trying to make a great experience for your fans. No, that's to... that's like abusing people's nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, <clears throat> remember when we were like younger and Sega and, and Nintendo were the powerhouses and they made the best consoles and they made the best games and their consoles had the best games. Like Sega died, basically. They're just making things, I guess. Some games. They make, they make games. Yeah. And Nintendo is, to me, Nintendo is this sort of like dying, like patient that doesn't want to be taken off of like life support. Because I'm, I would challenge the dying patient thing, but continue mm, your your point. No, it's just because I like I said before, like I don't see. I don't see them making like they're not at the forefront of things anymore. They're they're doing what you're saying. Like they're like, you know what? We have all of these beloved IPs and characters and 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 settings and stuff. And we're just going to do what we always do and trust that the idiots are going to give us money. And we do. Well, I don't anymore, but a lot of people do. I mean, I do. So Yeah, yeah, I know you do. And yeah. and mo most of our friends do too, like Yeah. Everybody yeah. has a switch. And, I saw yeah. I saw a woman walking down the street the other day that had uh, she had a tattoo and it was a really nice tattoo. It had a bunch of all the you know the old characters for you know for Nintendo. It had you know Princess Mario. I think Wario was in there. Samus. But the weird thing is, is she also had the Nintendo logo tattooed in there as well. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's weird. Like you either know who those characters are and you know it's Nintendo, or you don't know. But then who cares? Like, it seems weird to also put the Nintendo logo. Yeah, why would tattoo. you, like, yeah. That's like me getting, like, an N7 tattoo and then putting the Bioware and the EA logo beneath <laughs> yeah. it. Like, wait, why? Why? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'll, I'll wrap this this take up because we it's lots to cover since everybody's so wrong about everything. I like your, your analogy with Nintendo, but I was just more considered, like, a craft brewer or a craft artisan cheese or food place where they make a very small amount of something that small amount is very good, but you you pay a heavy price for that thing. And the reason why I use that example is I think Nintendo is going to exist for a long while because of 
that loyalty and that quality. But, but I think people have to realize that they're going to extort you for every dollar they can as a company for you to get that quality. And, and I think you need to take a look at it and say, you know, not everything Nintendo is puts out is gold and maybe I don't have to pay a premium for everything they do. Yeah. I, I, and this would be my, my last point too, but I think I see your analogy with, with like a, a craft brewery, but then you have to imagine if you were going to use that analogy that this is like Budweiser or Molson becoming a craft brewery. That's, that's my point. They used to be the big sellers and now they have to address this weird niche yeah. that they kind of forcefully created for themselves. Yeah. I think that's a great example. It's like saying Molson Canadian is a craft beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Scott would agree, but that is right. probably the only one. Yeah. And yeah, we're not, we can't get into that. We'll bring yeah. him on and he can get into himself. Fair All right. Enough. So, so what do you think people are wrong about? Oh, I'm going to take a completely different take here and, uh, I'm, I'm ready for the hate, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll back it up. So, out of all of the people that played Spider-Man in movies, Andrew Garfield is the best one. Well, you're insane. Uh, do you have any proof? Yeah. In fact, I just watched uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 yesterday, just to reprove myself. <laughs> I mean, hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Good for you for even doing that. <laughs> yeah. This is commitment to this podcast, Matt. Okay. This is what all I'm right. doing. Hit me with it. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. Like, the movies are terrible. Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, is meh at best, and the second one is just bad. Not a great start, by the way. Yeah. But that... No, no, that's part of the point. Even in those shitbag movies, he still manages to capture and put forth the, the spirit of the character of Peter Parker in Spider-Man better than anybody else that I've seen play him on, on the movies. Tobey Maguire had the dorky thing, but that was all he had. He wasn't witty. He wasn't funny. He wasn't, like, sarcastic enough. He was just a bumbling idiot who became a fast bumbling idiot. And I love Tom Holland. I think he captures, like, the young sort of Spider-Man vibe that some of the comics have. But he also isn't snarky enough. He also isn't, you know, he, he, he's not... When he's playing Spider-Man, especially like on Civil War, which is, I, I believe was the first time he, he showed up, Tom Holland, he does do the banter while fighting and that kind of stuff. He does that well. Sure. But Andrew Garfield does it better. Like the whole, throughout the whole, th those two movies, the only thing that is really a shining light of hope in those movies is him. And Emma, Emma Stone too. But he captures to me so well both like the serious side of, of of peter parker like the you know the heavy burden that he feels with you know the responsibility of having these powers and having you know his uncle ben from an early age tell him that you know with great power comes great responsibility and other stuff and i think that's the part I'm not that familiar all... with the, the uncle ben line i've never heard oh of yeah it never it ne it's, it's very rare it's no very, i don't know yeah. first time interesting it, Hold it's because I'm a big fan. That's why I know it. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. But um, I think that part is something that all three of them do pretty well. The drama, like the dramatic part. But, you know, he has that and he has, you know, the guilt and all that kind of stuff. But then when he, especially when he puts on the costume and, and he goes uh, to like to fight bad guys, it, it doesn't matter what's happening. He's bantering all the time. He's making fun of them. You know, there's like on the second movie, there's a point where there's like plutonium fly flying everywhere, and he's just like, "Come back here, shoot, no, stay," like like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think he does that so so much better than well, Tom Maguire, forget it, even better than Tom Holland, and and I think it was a waste of the actor because he's never gonna be able to do that again. Sure, no, he can't right? come back. Yeah, so that's that's my thank you for coming to my TEDx talk. So let me ask you this: Let's see see if we can get some common ground between you and I, and maybe maybe the listeners. I, I don't agree with this take. I think to say that Andrew Garfield's the best, I think is is wrong. But can we agree on who the worst one was? And and just so we, will I'll give you some people just so we're clear, right? We have Tobey Maguire, we have Tom Holland, we have Andrew Garfield. We'll toss in um, the one all the characters that were played that played Spider People in in the into the spider-verse um, okay 
So out of all of those, who's the worst for you? <sighs> Toby, probably. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, I agree. I think Toby Maguire. I think we love those Spider-Man movies because they weren't shitty superhero movies when they came out. But Tobey yeah. Maguire's take on Spider-Man is too mopey, wopey. Yeah. Look, I'm sad, down on my luck, Peter Parker. And the best Peter Parker isn't that. He's hopeful, optimistic, snarky, a little unsure of himself. But but yeah, so okay. So we agree Tobey Maguire's the worst. I understand what you're saying about Andrew Garfield. I think he's a good actor. But I still think Tom Holland does a better job. And maybe it's because Tom Holland doesn't look like he's an adult when he's playing a teenager where – Andrew Garfield does, and that kind of throws off my immersion because, because uh, okay, I like, guess Andrew Garfield looks like he's in his mid twenties when he's in high school. Same thing with with <laughs> yeah, um, Toby Maguire. Yeah, yeah, and so it helps having a teenager if you're gonna put it into a teenager's lifestyle. But I see where you're coming from with with the Andrew Garfield take, and I think he really struggled because those movies are are not good at all. And I think people put that on the Spider Man when, as you have so much evidence of having just seen it like this the first movie was a weird movie and the second one's just bad brutal. it's just bad yeah. yeah it i don't know like it's to me the i i get your point about him looking like an adult and he does especially on the on the second movie but then he's he's going into college so it's a little bit more believable but but yeah he looks a lot older than emma stone too <laughs> Which is yeah. also strange, but but I think the reason why I think he's this good is because even through the lens of how bad those movies were, he still you know made me enjoy the parts where he's you know being Peter Parker when he's like on the second movie in the beginning when he he's late for the graduation thing and and he does that whole fight that whole fight scene and he comes in and like he swoops into the into the the stage to get his diploma and it kisses her and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm like, okay, see, this is what I wanted. Cause he was in the high from having, you know, just done something at Spider-Man and he just comes in, sweeping in and makes jokes. Also the scene when, um, Emma Stone, uh, when Gwen's running away from security at, at Oscorp and he, he does like this fucking three stooges routine to, to stall the, the security guards. I was, yeah. I watched that, that scene like three or four times in a row. <laughs> okay. That's how funny it was. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why I think he's the, but maybe, maybe I'm projecting too much onto him, but like the fact that he was able to make me enjoy parts of that garbage movie, that's what makes me think like he did, he did a good job. And I think if he had had the opportunity to do a better movie, yeah, it would have been like, we would have been, yes, it would be like Robert Downey Jr. where it would be like, I don't know who else could play this guy. That's that's my take on that. Okay, yeah. I, it, it, it's an interesting take. Um, yeah, I don't agree with that. <laughs> Listen, this is the hot Now tell me how podcast. you really feel. <laughs> yeah, your choices are dumb. Um, no, I think it's, 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 it's a good – I think people should go back and take a, take a hard look at it because I think, I think you're more right than wrong. I'll give you that. Wow, wow okay. I'll take it. On that I, I, note, I, well, I, I was going to add to that. I wanted to say that mm. I, I think people who are listening to this need to understand that you care a lot about not just how the hero is portrayed, but how the alter ego is portrayed. Yes, yeah, that's and that's it, definitely a thing. That's a problem I have with most Batman's, but that's a different podcast. Right, that's a whole <laughs> we, we get, we're a whole podcast on that, and I think that's why Tobey Maguire sucks because he sucks as Peter Parker. He, I would, yeah, yeah. He's he's okay as Spider Man, right? But he's um, sucks. He, he sucks as Peter. He sucks yeah. at the at as the human beneath the the uniform or the the costume. That's that's the thing, both outside yeah. of it and inside of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. On that note, I'm sure you have more things that people are wrong about. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw this one at you. Um, so the creators, or sorry, the showrunners, not the creators, the showrunners of Game of Thrones. Who are David uh, Benioff and A. B. Uh, Vice? Um, D. B. Vice. D. B. Vice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where I got A. B. from. See, it's <laughs> good, off to a good start. A. B. and D. B. Vice aren't are not creative at all. I think I think they are bad at being creative. And and hear me out on this before you trash it. Um, 
I'm going to say this before you get to use it against me. I really didn't watch a lot of Game of Thrones. That was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> so I'll put that out there so you can't use it as a weapon against me. <laughs> but So here's my thinking. They Generally, most of that show was books written by uh, our George R.R. Martin. Um, and generally, those are all, all those shows are well-received. When I got to the end of the series, when the books ran out, and they were just taking the ideas from George's head and trying to implement them into the show. Those episodes sucked, uh, as far as I can understand from from everybody who's watched the show. Uh, and they suffered from a number of things. They suffered from a time constraint, which, you know, I got to blame on them because I don't think HBO was like, "Hey guys, just do this as quickly as possible. We don't want any more of these Game of Thrones shows." No, the, the contrary, actually. I'm sure HBO would have carried on for as long as yeah. they wanted to. So I think they really didn't know what to do. They couldn't figure out a good way to do it. So they wanted to just wrap it up as quickly as possible, which led to a lot of problems. I have more than that, though. Um, the next project they were supposed to start on was something for Star Wars. Um, and, and they failed on that project. And I'm convinced they failed on it because, well, A, Star Wars is a whole other world of fandom fighting against it and craziness. Uh, but also because there's no – they can't really build off books and, and make mo movies or TV shows off it. They'd have to create something on their own, uh, you know, much like The Mandalorian was created. And, and they realized they suck at it and they can't do it. And that's why they went to to work on The Three-Body Problem, which is a, a series of books uh, written by a Chinese author for Netflix because they can rely on somebody else doing all the creative work and them just making the adaptation from, from uh, book to screen. So it's more about them not being able to come up with original stories or, or, or scripts and not as much as about them being creative enough to adapt something from one medium to the other because that they, they did pretty well. Sure. I think yeah. that's, but that's a lot easier than cre creating a story. From yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I obviously wasn't, <clears throat> I'm not any more privy than anybody to, to how things went down when they realized that they were going to, move past what George Martin had written for, for a song of ice and fire. Right. Here's, here's my, it's not really a counterpoint because I, I actually think you're, you make a, a good one. It, it's, it makes sense what you're saying, but here's, here's a, a sort of a, a perpendicular point. George Martin liked it. He approved they're, of they're it. Ending. He, yeah, yeah. He, he's their take on things. It wasn't like Martin was like, Oh, he, they, fucked it up or whatever right from from what i understand he they the reason there was this whole thing right when mm -hmm. they give some interview oh that this was a few years ago when you know they said that the way that they got the like permission from martin to do the show was because they guessed who john snow's mother was okay right? and yeah. and like that was when they said that we were like the people I, I've never read the books, but people that read the books were like, holy shit, really? Because that's that's amazing. Like there's no hint, there's no sort of like there isn't really like a a, a thread to follow, so to speak. And the fact that they, they were able to sort of get into the same wavelength as the as the author to figure that out, that seems interesting. But then if you go towards and obviously spoilers might be incoming here from game of thrones but like if you go see what actually happened you you go oh okay but that's not that surprising it, it was a, an, an interesting twist but it was like mm, okay and then to top that off and this is what what the, the point is about if if that like the last three seasons kind of sucked and they did, especially the last one is awful. Mm -hmm. um, what does that say about the rest of the books that Martin's writing? <laughs> well, we'll never he's, know because he's, he's just gonna probably going to die before. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or else he'll die. I guess change <laughs> in the sense that he's going to change from his mortal body into a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I heard from a lot of people as obviously as like a sort of a conspiracy theory thing is that Martin used the show to test one idea or one set of ideas that he had for the conclusion of the story. Yeah. And that he's going to write something completely different in the books. 
he's being Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. In fact. Motherfucker. But yeah, so I th- I don't know. I think it's too... We have only one example of something they did. The D&D, as they're, they're collectively known. Sure. Uh, to know that you're right. But we do have, you know, it, it, there's enough evidence to suggest that you could be. Because whenever when they ran out of books, the 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 quality of the show d- declined. I don't know how much of it was executive meddling. I I don't know how much of it was the JJ effect, i.e., pandering to the fan base because they wanted to see you know Daenerys and John together, so you know they gave it to them, and they wanted whatever, and they gave it to them, and. That is that that particular point, the pandering, is what makes me think you're right, because there is a and this is a conversation we've had a million times. There's a basic misunderstanding from from a lot of people, showrunners included, about what is it that captivates people when they like something, and with I can tell you for myself only, obviously can't talk about other people, but I remember watching Game of Thrones the first season, and when it gets to the ninth episode. And they actually behead Ned Stark and kill what felt like the main character. Yeah. That was the thing that I went, whoa, wait a minute. Now this is something completely different. Not right. not to quote Monty Python on purpose, but <laughs> Fair. you know, so like so the thing that caught people's attention with Game of Thrones was that they were willing to do whatever the story needed to to have done for it to be a good story, an interesting story, an intriguing story. And then for them to go and pander to to the fan base after they ran out of books shows a pretty bad misunderstanding of what made them successful in the first place. So I think yeah. you're on to something. Yeah. I, I mean, the good thing is, is they realized it and they got out the Star Wars thing before they got eaten alive by the Star Wars fandom. And that led us to Taika Kiti. Waititi? I can't remember pronounce his name. Waititi, I think. Waititi, yeah. Taking over uh, and doing something. I think that is that could save Star Wars in a big way because I think he's a very smart and creative director. Yeah. Um, so we probably all benefited from them shifting to the three-body problem where they had books to work from because they are good at adapting books, no doubt. But but they, we have to be careful of letting them create something from scratch because I don't think they're they're the people to be doing it. So um, you think that like their, their thing should be you know, get get an, a, an established IP from another medium and yeah. have them adapt that instead of writing something new. Yeah. And I mean, basically, just stick with books. Only, I mean, you can, comic books maybe, but I think sticking to books gives you a lot to work with. And there's so many good books that need to be adapted into into TV shows or, or even movies that, um, that they can stay there and have no problems. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, I, I think I'm with you on that one, yeah. Makes right. sense. What's your what's what's your next one? Okay, here I, I'm. I'm gonna draw more hate. So, Mad Max Fury Road is an overrated movie. Oh no, I killed him. What? Yeah, I. You want me to say it again? I will. Please repeat it again. Mad Max Fury Road is an overrated movie. Is it overrated because you you hate good films? No. Okay. Want to so, elaborate? Sure. Um, so I watched it in in the theater with my wife, and I went with very high expectations, which might be a reason for me to be as underwhelmed with it as I was. But honestly, <clears throat> I think that what makes people love this movie as much as they do is all the fawning over it being the original author and all the effects being practical and blah, blah, blah. When really like that's all fine and dandy. And I enjoy the action scenes in the movie. And I, I like the aesthetic. I I even like the original Mad Max aesthetic anyway. So that's not, that's not a problem, Okay, but it's not that great of, it's not bad, not, not by any, any means, but it's just like a regular action movie to me. And I'll add another thing. Tom Harding as Mad Max was garbage. Like, he was just terrible as as Mad Max, and in why 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 is he terrible? because uh, he was well, I don't know if it's his fault, but like you expect Mad Max to be the protagonist of a Mad Max movie, and he wasn't. It was Furiosa, right? Which Charlize I mean, Theron pulled off superbly, and I, probably it's, it's, 
it sounds like you you were expecting something and you got burned by that and now you're mad well a little bit but like even if that was if that was the only thing then it would be different but i don't like honestly what is so great about that movie the plot is thin um the the action sequence is basically going to one place and then coming back from that place and then shit happening on the way mm-hmm. um and and everything else is just super like exaggerated which i suppose it was the aesthetic they were going for but that all of that doesn't make necessarily for a good movie i like i remember watching it coming out of the the theater and going yeah that was fun and then i got like home and started reading about stuff and talking to you guys about stuff it's like, oh my god this is the best movie since sliced bread i know that doesn't make any sense fuck it like i don't i don't understand what the hype is over it and i read multiple reviews from people that i usually trust with reviews and i was just fawning over the story and just fawning over the characters and i'm like really what is so great about it? I don't. I don't. Don't see it. Uh, well, uh, to to enlighten you, um, and maybe our our numerous fans, uh, one of the reasons why it's very good is the simplicity lets the action and the cinematography shine through. So yeah, the plot isn't super big. They drive somewhere and they drive back, but all the set pieces that happen around it using the wide open expanses the sound they use the the music the the color all that stuff is what makes it a very enjoyable visual movie and so if you want to say the plot sucks that's great but that's not the only reason why you watch a movie is it a great story no it's not a great story but it's a a great movie because it strips away all those things to showcase the things that make it awesome Fair enough. I guess I guess I like the sort of the subject matter of like a post-apocalyptic future. And I think that there's so many good stories to tell. Maybe that's what the problem was. That I was expecting it to be a more more about more like plot driven than you know visual or, or action driven. Because to me, it was kind of like Avatar, the, the James yeah. Cameron movie, where okay. Like it's basically Pocahontas in space or dancing dance Pocahontas meets dances with wolves meets space balls. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like right? Because it like yeah. the, the main the main sort of uh um the main thing the movie had going for it, and it did, was like the whole 3D thing, which was fine, but the story was kind of mad. But I never went in to Avatar thinking, oh, I'm gonna get my blind my mind blown by this story. Right. So maybe, maybe like I said, it was my expectations. But I honestly, even, and I agree with you that the cinematography is great and the photography too, like just the, the wide shots from, from the, the, brief, the brief sort of moments of, of um, lull between the action. Yeah. When you get those panning shots on the desert, and that, those are really nice. But like, okay, I don't necessarily think that that's something you should like I don't necessarily think that that's something that a movie requires to be great, and maybe you know spend a little bit more time developing those characters, especially you know the character that is in the name of the fucking movie instead of it he's literally both he's both metaphorically and literally a hood ornament in that movie <laughs> <laughs> like so that's you know those two things together made me like not dislike the movie. It's, yeah. it's good, It's good, but I wouldn't watch it again. So I've watched it again. Uh, Dwight and I actually went and watched it. <laughs> of course uh, you did. Like the IMAX, it was great. Um, I highly recommend that. The IMAX really enhances the good parts of it. Um, the thing I'll say is no one would have watched a movie called Furiosa because um, people are monsters. Um, not just because it's female, but also because they don't know what it is. Where if you say Mad Max, everybody knows what it is. So I think that is a much as much a marketing thing as it is a, you know, George George Romero. I think is no George Romero is the zombie guy. Yeah, George Miller. Sure. George Miller, right? I always get him screwed up. Thank you. <laughs> that, I George would watch Romero's, that whole. Okay, yeah. <laughs> somebody get on this and make a George Romero version of Mad Max. Mad Max a, Zombie Road. Come I, on, somebody has to get on this. That's got to be on there. Someone must have like a fan video. I, that's, I will look that up later. We'll let you know. But 
George Miller, um, he may not have the choice on that. He may have been forced to to title it in a certain way to get people in. And it seems like he's had trouble making another one after that for reasons that I don't quite comprehend because it was both a commercial and critical success. Yeah. And the fact that he can't make another one the way he wants to kind of shocks me, but that's that's not what we're here for. Um, well, he, he took a, that long to make another one exactly because he wasn't interested in making a movie unless it was the way he wanted it, I guess. Yeah. Exactly, and so good for him for doing that. Um, I, I see what you're getting at. I think, I think, if I'm going to put words in your mouth, because that's a really fun thing to do in this podcast, <laughs> you were sold a bill of goods that you weren't delivered on, and and that is, that is true, because you're right. Like, the idea this is a Mad Max movie, the the advertising, the the titling, the Trailers all seem to point towards something that was Mad Max driven, and then and then when you get there, it's Furiosa driven. And, and, that's... and I don't I don't mind it being Furiosa driven. I actually think it was a it was an interesting thing to do to put you know a female character as the center character in the thing. But it's like it didn't need to be Mad Max. Uh, this is yeah. kind of like my opinion on the first Daniel Craig James Bond movie. It's a great action movie, but I don't like it as a James Bond movie. The Casino Royale. Yeah. So I I feel I feel like I feel like you're right. They used and this is I don't know if George Miller was forced to do this or if he wanted to do this or whatever yeah. happened. But if I feel like you you know I was sold something and delivered something else. Because when I hear Mad Max, you know there is on those the the three first movies with Mel Gibson. You know it's kind of a crazy story, but it is there and there's a progression, there's a reasoning and all that stuff. I mean, let's not count the first one because that movie just doesn't make sense. It's so weird, yeah. It's so confusing. But, you know, uh, Beyond Thunderdome and... um, I love Thunderdome. Oh, it's so good. What's the other one? Uh, It's Mad Max 2. Just Mad Max 2? I think so. It's been a while. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, we can look it up, but why bother? Um, Yeah, yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think they did a bad job advertising, advertising it, and so... If you went in having expecting Mad Max, you would probably be put off. And the fact that a lot of people didn't mind that is probably a testament to how good the movie is, more than that it's your fault for expecting something being advertised to. Um, it's, it's fair enough. I think there's a problem in Hollywood, and I won't go too far on this because we're trying to do hot takes. But I think there's a problem in Hollywood of thinking consumers are dumb and trying to trick them into coming see movies. Yeah. Like my the best example is the last Terminator movie where they essentially gave away the plot point that John Connor was the Terminator in the, in the trailer. trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, if you don't know this, you won't come see the movie. I'm like, if I had went and saw the movie and that happened, I, I, well, I either would have thought it was awesome or stupid. If the movie, like, cause that's, that's what happens, right? If the movie's awesome. A cool twist like that is amazing. If the movie sucks, just like, and they made John Connor Terminator. How stupid is that? Yeah. But at least I get to see it and have that experience in the theater. You fucking ruin the movie if you have a big review like that and you show me in a trailer yeah like why would you ever do that and it's because i didn't trust the audience to come and watch it without that twist but if i already know the twist i'm not coming so so i think that you know with fury road i think they they did that they didn't trust that people would just come watch it and and so they kind of shat on themselves to trick you into going but that creates a bad experience when you find out it's not what you expect yeah like they could even have hinted that it was the same universe, but like, why? Why was Mad Max in that movie? He he didn't have to be. No, he didn't. That, I mean, that's I'm not starting a Star Wars thing, but that's <laughs> one of the biggest criticisms I have about the new Star Wars movies is all those characters didn't do anything by the yeah. end of the, the trilogy except yeah. for Rey. And she she did everything. She did everything, and that's a really bad thing to do in movies to make characters build them up to be stars. And then their agency doesn't matter one, one lick. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was my take on on that uh, on that movie. Uh, what what uh, what else do you have for us? Speaking of characters with agency, uh, I'm going to push this theory that's been on the internet uh, because I think it's very accurate. Um, I'm going to give credit to I think it's Kid Black on Reddit who first posted about this, but uh, it's the idea that Frosty is a lich. Uh, what? Frosty the Snowman is a lich. Yeah. As in undead, super powerful wizard with a phylactery. Lich. That's correct. Yeah, as you mentioned, his phylactery is his old, uh, old top hat. Okay. 
Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to stay uh, quiet and let you mm -hmm. hang yourself. Go ahead. Great. So, uh, Frosty, the snowman, uh, is a happy, jolly soul. I mean, not really, but if you're a kid who is enthralled to him, you would probably think so. Um, you put that top hat on a snow body. He's able to inhabit it, um, take control of the body, uh, and he goes around basically conducting chaos upon the city or town he's in with these children enthralled to him to do his bidding, and they'll think it's the greatest time ever. Meanwhile, they're like messing up the town. There's like car accidents and all sorts of nonsense going on, which is essentially chaos for the world that doesn't have magic before he he vanishes uh, and goes away. But he can come back again because you just put his hat in a new snowman. Glitch Frosty is back again. <sighs> okay. I guess that is a theory. Um, I don't know where to go with that, but okay. You tell me so, what Frosty is then if he's not a lich. Uh, snowman? Yeah, but how is he? how does he not just inanimate? How does he become alive? He doesn't. What, what does what? come alive? No, that's the whole point of Frosty. Oh my God. Okay. Um. So let me get. Let me see if I get his powers straight. Okay. So, he is actually a disembodied entity that is tethered to the uh, material world by his hat. Phylactery, yes. So that's what I was gonna say. Is that's not as much a phylactery as it is a fetter. Right, like a, a ghost. Has anybody feather. tried to destroy the hat? I don't know. Probably not. Um, so if you, if you destroy the hat, no more frosty. Yeah, but it, it, that would that would work both as a phylactery and as a feather for for a ghost. So, and then he can he can only inhabit snowman bodies. I mean, no one else. Again, no one puts them on any other bodies, so we don't know. Okay, here's here's a question for you within yep. this. Um, mastermind theory of yours okay what would happen if you put frosty's hat onto the um headless horseman from halloween i think you could take control of him which, I think... which one what do you mean who would take control of whom the frosty frosty would, would? The, the the you're saying horseman. he's more powerful well see than... i think that's that is Frosty's problem here. Is I don't think I don't know how powerful I think Frosty's a low rent lich. You know? <laughs> oh my god! Okay, like I, I don't think that he is. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I I can't think of like super powerful liches. The one from Tomb of Horrors that I don't remember. Oh, well, Kelthazad. Sure, Kelthazad is a great example. He is not Kelthazad level lich. He's like like the shittiest lich he's just like all i could do is put myself into a hat lich like that's that's his <laughs> basic power so i don't know if he could actually run the, the hairless horseman out of the the body mm -hmm. but but yeah I, so no he can't win but he okay. only that's why he can only inhabit snow bodies is because like he needs to be like something where nothing else is in it already so like he couldn't take over a person but if you built him like a straw body could he become a straw man yeah all right Okay. Uh, I mean, given given the subject matter, I don't know if you can call that a hot take. It was <laughs> more of a frosty take, but okay. Fuck you. <laughs> um, all right. And uh, what uh, what what uh, what's your uh, intention with uh, exposing Frosty as this uh, two bit uh, lich that he is? I mean, it depends on how what you feel about celebrating witches. Maybe, maybe he should move to Halloween, and we celebrate the undead, or maybe we should just st stop celebrating him at Christmas because he's not like good. Oh, like, I see. So what you're saying is, Frosty the Snowman isn't isn't a Christmas appropriate, um, like myth or something. Yeah, like Frosty, all the hollow or all the Christmas guys are all like super jolly and happy and positive and doing good things, and Frosty's just a frozen agent of chaos. Oh yeah, Grinch is a boatload of fun. He learns a lesson. <laughs> Still, it's not his fun. Heart and... grows, his heart grows two sizes. That's yeah, that's a, that's a disease. That's not. Okay, never mind. You know what? That's. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got a cured for being nice. Okay. Great Christmas lesson. Okay. You know, as as one of the Grinch, I can tell you, <laughs> having your heart grow isn't that good. Okay? 
it's, takes up a whole lot of space there. It's not okay. But what if it was tiny and then grew to a regular size? That seems like a, a positive. Okay, fair enough. Are are we done with this insane thing that we're talking about? I, I mean, I clearly won this one, so yes, you can. Oh, I, you can, I, I, sure, sure. You can share another one of your hot takes. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's going to be hotter than. It'll be hotter than Frosty because of your stupid pun, but you know, <laughs> it's not going to be spicier. I stand by that pun. Um. So my, no, mine is not as fun, but I'll, I guess you know we have a couple of minutes to burn before we finish. Um. I think that uh, most RPG players do not know exactly what RPing actually means or, or how to do it. And I think that that's, that causes a whole host of problems depending on who you're playing with. I think I agree with you uh, uh, at the high level. Okay. Um, I just... I'm just going to be this pedantic for people. RPing obviously means role playing, and I think in this case you're specifically talking about playing tabletop games, correct? Right. Yeah. So that no, that's that's a good point to clarify. So when when we're talking about now, it's not tabletop anymore because you know civilization is crumbled and we can that's only tough. communicate with each other yeah. through you know digital means. But yeah, I mean you know tabletop RPGs, I. I find that a lot of the experience is lost because people tend to just sort of like bullet point actions and things without actually getting into the character and playing the character and, you know, going like digging into the flaws and, and, not not just you know because you have to because they whatever they gave you points to spend when you got that flaw on your character sheet but you know as a means of making an actual believable you know fictional person yeah. and and i i feel like a lot of the nuance that you could have had playing the game is lost and a lot of the a lot of the balance, even, especially when you have... Well, D&D is not as cut and dry. Well, actually, it's more cut and dry than, than other systems. But, like, sometimes a flaw that you get on your character that is supposed to be a role-playing thing, right? That is supposed to be what the name implies, a flaw. And people don't really play into that flaw. They just do the bare minimum so that, you know, the DM... Or you know the GM or whatever the the, the system calls the, the person guiding the yeah. game doesn't say hey you have to do this because it's in your character sheet, and right. and that takes a lot of the balance and a lot of the interesting bits out of the the experience at least for me. So what like I I think from the experience I've played with you of, of the two games we played together and my previous experience of of role playing games with other people, um, I think you're generally accurate. What mm -hmm. why do you think those people are playing? I mean, to have fun, it, and it, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you should be doing. That's the the one thing that got me hooked to, to RPG in the beginning was that hey, let's go play a game where you're not playing necessarily against anybody, and you're not necessarily you know going to be you know challenged and 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 uh, well challenged you will be, but you won't you won't necessarily you know win or die. There's there's right. other things. And really, the, the, the thing is get together with your friends and have fun. That, that to me, sounded like a good premise for a game. And mm -hmm. I think people are playing the game to have fun. But my point is not that they're wrong doing that. And my point is that a lot of the fun is being sort of sidelined because of... And I think a lot of people are... And this is from my experiences while playing the two games we play together, but mostly really playing... Uh, in the past, is that people feel shy or or self conscious about like role playing something, right? And he, this is my sort of PSA to say, you know, you guys are playing. Whoever it is you're playing with, hopefully, are friends. Just you know, take a chance. Try and actually, you know, play the character as if it was this was a play, and you're an actor in that play. And, you know with a, a lot more control over your character than a normal actor would have because an actor has a script to follow and you don't. Right. Right. 
my point is, you know, give it a try. Try to, you know, instead of saying, uh, and then I turn to him and I say, I will cast fireball on your face. Like, just, you know, like role play that. Be a little bit more into it, you know? You don't have to go insane and, you know, stand up from the table and start chanting in, like, languages or, or tongues or whatever. But, you know, put yeah. a little bit more thought into it. That's what I'm don't, saying. Don't actually summon a demon to no. give you powers. Yeah. yeah. That's, you that's that, crossing cool, that line. But don't. <laughs> Use those powers for good, okay? <laughs> yes. That's what we're saying. Yes, yeah. No, I think I think I get what you're saying. I think you, uh, to, to, to put words in your mouth again because it's really fun for me, essentially, you're missing out on most of the reason to play tabletop RPGs because – if you just want to play a, if you just want to play a game with your friends, play play not like a play a, a video game where you can all play together, like play, you know, Diablo three or play, you know, Destiny two. You're you're not taking advantage of the, the ability to create a narrative and a story that's unique to you if you're not willing to role play in the world that you're you're playing in, right? Yeah, and, and if you if you look at, at you know computer RPGs like you know Baldur's Gate or or what have you Dragon Age or wh whatever you want to use an, as an example, <laughs> look at the way that the characters act in that, right? They're they're you know when you when you you know right click on someone and say talk or whatever the the gameplay mechanic is, <laughs> yeah, they don't go okay. I turn to him and then I say you are a villain, sir. You know like. It's 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 a character, right? Just because it's not you're not a, a professional actor, you know, in a movie or in a play, doesn't mean you can't get into it and make that experience a bit more fulfilling for yourself. Like right. you said, you know, yeah, you know, it, it's it's a part of the game that you're letting go of without even trying. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that point. So I don't hate all of your ideas today. Wow, that's that, you know. Something positive to. for today. I did not want to. But... <laughs> okay. Here we are. <laughs> so, you know, I think we've, we've covered a lot of topics. Don't don't think that because we only covered these six topics that everything else you're right about, that's not even no, close. No, God, no. No way. There's so many more topics we need to cover. We just thought instead of doing one a week, uh, we would catch up a bit and knock off some quick ones. Uh, we'll probably go back to our regular format next week. Um, if you have ideas on on things we should talk about, uh, you can email us. Uh, the email address is you're wrong at gmail.com. Sorry, you're wrong cast at gmail.com. Oh, boy. Uh, um, I'm just going to edit that in post or not. You'll find out <laughs> if you listen. So if you know how to spell you're wrong cast at gmail.com, then you're welcome to email us. But for now, I'm Matt. And I'm Luciano. Just know that. You can have a lot of opinions, uh, but they're all going to be wrong. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>